Hello everyone, this is Art Gelwix, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of Being Productive. Since we're all about being efficient and effective at work and at home, let's get started. Over in Personal Productivity Club recently, Vinoth Vinaya asked the question, I was wondering if people have a concrete way of tracking their productivity. Are you using a specific metric, like using a number of working hours or tasks completed, or a tool to show how productive you are? Or is it just your own feeling of accomplishment? It's an excellent question because understanding and having a concrete measure as to whether or not you're making progress and you're continuing to be productive rather than just going off of your gut instinct can be invaluable in making sure you are continuing to move forward. Now that said, there aren't a huge number of tools out there that provide deep learning information around your productivity stats. And I typically recommend that rather than going and looking for a tool first, you need to determine what productivity measures make the most difference for you as an individual. Is it number of tasks completed in a day? Is it a percentage of work completed on given projects? Is it the amount of information or number of publications released or podcast cast episodes released. Whatever those measures are that are critical for you to feel like you are continuing to be productive and make progress, you need to identify those clearly first and then measure against those manually for a while before you start going looking for a tool that will do the same thing for you. This is also where by defining these measures in advance, you open up the available set of tools that you have to be able to use. Rather than trying to find one that has everything already baked in and then being limited to working only the way that tool works, you're able to use more of the DIY productivity tools that are out there to be able to create structures to track this progress around the metrics that are relevant for you to give you that feedback and reinforcement. So do it manually first and then figure out, well, how do I want to capture that information so I can measure against those metrics? If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably trying to find ways to be more productive. If so, there's a place for you called the Idea Pump. Now, there's hundreds of articles about productivity, tools, techniques, and strategies to improve your productivity, and they're all available for you on either the web or your mobile device. Stop over at theideapump.com and find some ideas on how you can do the right things at the right times in the right ways. Remember, it's theideapump.com. In the latest episode of Anything But Idle, they talked a little bit about the importance of attention management over time management. Now, there's been a number of different articles about this topic, including one from Fast Company, delving into the ideas around attention management. Attention management is a concept that eludes many organizations because they're focused on how long it takes to do things rather than focusing on the effort needed to do those things. See, that effort is often driven or increased 
by a lack of focus on the things that need to be done. Now, let's use an example for this. If you're trying to cook a meal and you're constantly running back and forth trying to get this ingredient and prep this item and get the stove to the right temperature and so on, while you're also trying to take care of the laundry, watch the kids, and feed the dog, the odds are pretty good that something is going to get either missed or messed up. Being able to make a simple statement like, I'm going to make dinner now, and then following through on it is a perfect example of attention management. When we look at this within an organization, not only do we have to take individual responsibility for our attention management, but at a management level and a leadership level, we also need to be looking out for people's ability to manage their attention. If we're indicating that people on teams need to be available all the time to respond to immediate requests, just because we've provided them collaborative tools such as Microsoft Teams or Slack, we're not doing them any favors when it comes to attention management. We've created an interrupt-driven environment with no value or appreciation on the work and the focus needed to get the work done. Now, the article in Fast Company highlights some interesting ideas which are pretty common within the attention management thinking in productivity circles. Item one in the article talks about being connected to the why you are doing something rather than just the how and the what. Now, I couldn't agree with this more. No matter what you are doing, you should know why you're doing it and its importance to the overall scheme and strategy of things. It's easy to let unimportant but urgent things creep into what you're doing and push the important but not urgent things out of the way, especially if those important items are hard. Now, the second part talks about prioritization and declining work. Now, prioritization is a big thing, and it's been the topic of conversation everywhere within the productivity circles forever, but the ability to decline work and empowering your teams to be able to say no or just even be able to say not right now, can be huge when it comes to helping them focus on work. You see, creating an atmosphere where your teams feel empowered to be able to say, I can do this, can I do this later? And know that they will get an honest response back makes all the difference in the world. If you've created an environment where they feel like they have to respond to everything immediately because of the negative ramifications that could happen if they don't, you've created an environment that attention management becomes almost impossible. The third item I want to call out talks about creating a focus-friendly team culture. Now, not only does leadership need to respect the boundaries and the focus of team members, but those team members need to respect each other's boundaries and focus. Applications like Microsoft Teams that now provide capability to have focused time block out sections of time on your calendar that no one else can take and put to their own use, helps you manage your attention to the things that need to be done. Now, regardless of the tools, if your organization and your leadership and your team members do not respect those, visual, those virtual boundaries and see the value of those boundaries, it doesn't matter what the tools do. We need to understand the value of concentrating on work, being able to work without interruption, and the myths surrounding multitasking when it comes to getting quality work done. 
whether we're actually doing the work or leading the people who are helping get the work done, the importance of attention management is easily equal to that of time, priority, value, and impact. A recent article in Forbes talks about the challenge that American workers are having because they're increasingly burned out, but they won't take PTO days, also known as paid time off. The stats they quoted in the article are that since March, 39% of employees have either canceled or shortened their time off, and 13% say they're likely they won't take any time off from work until the pandemic's over. Why is this the case? Well, Forbes says that one-third feel that because of travel restrictions, it's a waste to use their PTO allowance, and almost a quarter say it's hard to justify when they're already working from home. Now, the one piece I think they leave out is I believe that there's a large portion of people who are concerned about taking their PTO that they may need it. If they should come down sick, they realize they're going to need that time, and the likelihood that they will come down sick, whether realized or unrealized, is a valid concern in their mind. Therefore, they are banking their PTO time if they don't have sick days separate from PTO as a preventative measure. Now, Forbes continues along this trend in thinking by trying to identify some ways to encourage teams to take advantage of their time and things like this. For example, one of the items says, quote, look at whether a company-wide ban on work and sending work emails between specified times of day or on weekends could work. And communicate this to clients as well as staff and explain why, because protecting the mental health of your people is paramount, unquote. Now that's a nice idea, but I'll be realistic. I don't think there's anybody who's listening to this that think that's going to happen anytime soon. Organizationally, it's hard enough, much less trying to get clients to do that as well. The better alternative is to empower your people to say, no, I'm not going to pick up anything after this particular time of day. And if you send it past the end of the day, well, the end of the day means this time and you won't get a response until the next day. And there are no negative ramifications for doing that. The next item that Forbes addresses is that, quote, requests that people must take at least 25% of their paid time off in each quarter during the pandemic. That way, employees won't go months without any breaks at all, unquote. This is a horrible idea. Forcing people to take their time off under the auspices of doing it for their benefit just adds to the stress. If I don't want to take a day off in a three-month period, that should be my choice. If I don't want to take a day off, it may not be related to being overworked. It may not be related to being concerned. It may not be related to anything. I may just not need a day off. I may be doing just fine. But enacting policies like this are draconian in their very nature and increase the stress on people because now if they fall into that grouping I mentioned earlier where they are banking on their PTO as a preventative action in case they need it, well, you're taking that away from them under the auspices of this is in your best interest. This is where I challenge organizations about this thinking. Are you truly wanting people to use their PTO time to avoid burnout or 
Are you wanting them to use their PTO time to avoid having to pay it out because it wasn't used? Now, I don't want to assume that any organization is enacting a policy for less than altruistic reasons, but unfortunately, it is true in some cases. Burnout is absolutely a real thing, even before dealing with the COVID pandemic, even before dealing with working from remote locations and in less than optimal environments. But it's not an excuse to enact policies and mindsets that do nothing to mitigate the problem and only introduce new issues and concerns. The better approach is actually the simpler approach. Staying in contact with your people, communications, and letting them take time when they need it to make sure that they feel their best are at their most productive is the greatest value and benefit that you can provide them. Don't think that an HR policy will abdicate your responsibility for being a human being. Thanks for listening today. If you found this interesting and useful and you'd like to hear more, make sure you subscribe to Being Productive on the podcast app of your choice so you never miss an episode. We'd also love it if you'd become a supporter of the show by using the link in the show notes. Also, please like and share this and other episodes so we can help as many people as possible in being productive. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.